So for us to understand what Jesus is saying, we really need to understand what shepherds are like and what sheep are like. And so I'm going to try and help us with that. But before I do that, we just need to kind of erase for our mindset our kind of idea of what a shepherd might be like. Because our idea of a shepherd is a guy who looks after some sheep, but him looking after some sheep is basically putting a fence around it, letting the sheep roam, and then every so often turns up with a sheepdog and does a weird little wolf whistle I can't do, and then rounds them up, shears them, sends them back out. And that is not at all what shepherding was like in the Bible. So just to give you some context here, Israel is a Middle Eastern culture, and it's a Middle Eastern climate. And it isn't full of the luscious green fields like Eltham is. I mean, there are a few fields in Eltham, but like England or like New Zealand. And the best place for fields in Israel were often taken by crops. So farmers would be growing food rather than allowing sheep to graze. So sheep would graze on rocky hillsides. And especially in the summer, there wasn't much to graze on. So these sheep needed to be led to places where they could graze and led to places where they can drink. But also, they didn't have fields that were sectioned off by barbed wire fences. They were open hillsides. And so they were often exposed to predators like bears and lions and wolves. And so the shepherd's job was, one, providing places to eat and drink, and two, protecting the flock, protecting the sheep. And they wouldn't have had sheepdogs to help them either. It would just be the shepherd leading, the shepherd shaking them to places where they could pasture, and also protecting them from any um, animals that would be trying to kill them. And so this is what a shepherd would look like in the Bible. And this is what Jesus is saying. And Jesus in this passage is saying, I am the good shepherd. And not just good. So you've got to understand, the Bible was originally in a different language. And so when they've translated it, the words don't always quite work the way we would have them. So the word good is from the Greek kalos. And kalos means beautiful, better honourable, worthy one. I don't know about you, but when I use the word good, I'm often like, how's your day been? Uh, yeah, good. And it just means all right. It just means kind of average, above average maybe. But when we're talking about the good shepherd, we're not talking, eh, good. We're talking good, better, worthy one. And so Jesus is saying here, I am the good shepherd, the one you need to trust for your provision for your protection. And I come that you might have life, not just the shadow of life, but he uses this phrase in John 10, abundant life. And he does that by making a way for us. And the other thing that we need to understand is that when Jesus is speaking about a good shepherd, the Jewish audience he's speaking to would immediately have thought of their heroes of the faith. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, these heroes of the faith in the Old Testament were all shepherds. But there's one they would have particularly thought of, David. You see, David was this hero of the faith. You may be familiar with the phrase, David versus Goliath. So David, as a boy, he um, took a stone and threw it at the giant Goliath who defied the whole army of Israel. And this one boy stood up and said, no, that's not going to happen on my watch. Not to my God's people. And he defeated the giant. Goliath. And he became this mighty warrior and became king. 
But David's life wasn't as simple as that. It wasn't win, 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 win. There were lots of difficult times. However, he is remembered as a hero of the faith because he was faithful to God. See, in the, in the Old Testament, it talks about David like this, a man after God's own heart. And also, he extended the borders of Israel to the widest they'd ever been. So when Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd, the Jewish audience is thinking, ah, like David, the shepherd king. And David started from humble roots. He was a shepherd first and foremost. In fact, when um, God rejected the king Saul, he said to Samuel, find me another king. And he says, go to Jesse's sons. And so Samuel goes to Jesse's sons and he's there and he sees the oldest son. He thinks, this guy's strapping lad, handsome looking, probably not unlike my, uh, probably very different to myself actually. But, um, and he said, this has got to be it. And God says, no, it's not him. And he goes through the sons, and he comes down, and he's run out of sons. He goes, have you got any more sons? And Jesse says, ah, oh, yeah, there's one, but he's the shepherd in the field. He's, he's the youngest. Do you, you know, do you really want him? And Samuel says, yeah, get him. So David comes from the fields, and he's the one God anoints as king. And there's this beautiful phrase in Samuel 1 Samuel, it says, God, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And that characterized David's life. He was a man after God's own heart. And he would have been known as the shepherd king. David had a heart for his people. He was a king, but he was always a shepherd as well. And he protected Israel and provided for them. And it's into this context God speaks. Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. I'm a better David. I'm the new David. I'm the Messiah. It's a Hebrew word which means hero, leader, liberator. And that's what Jesus is saying. But he's not just saying it to a Jewish audience. It's relevant for us today. And I want to look at this through the psalm that David wrote, Psalm 23. And we're going to look at that in a minute. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, if you've got one, it will come up on the screen in a minute. But before we get there, I just want to understand why I want to look at it in the context of Psalm 23. It's this amazing psalm all about a shepherd. And Psalm 23 comes after Psalm 22. You can tell I've done my research there. It's, you know, that incredible insight that they asked me to do this. You know, incredible revelation. But the reason that's important is because Psalm 22 is all about the cross. Psalm 22 is written hundreds of years before Jesus goes to the cross, and yet it starts with this phrase, my Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? The exact phrase that Jesus would speak on the cross hundreds of years later. It's a prophetic picture of what was to come. And it also says, they've pierced my hands and my feet and divided my clothes among them. The exact events that happened to Jesus hundreds of years later is this prophetic picture And I want to argue this morning that Psalm 23 is also a prophetic picture of Jesus, our good shepherd, our hero, our leader. So let's read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I want to look at this idea of the good shepherd through the lens of Psalm 23. And the importance of Psalm 23 isn't that we know the psalm, although it's helpful to know it. Or even the psalmist, although it's helpful to know about who David was. It's that we know the one the psalm's about. It's that we know the shepherd that he's talking about in the psalm. You see, this isn't all just about shepherds and sheep. It's about God and his people. It's about Jesus and his church. It's about God and us. And so the question I want to ask you this morning is, do you know this good shepherd? Do you know him? You see, in John 10, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know my own and my own know me. Do you know him this morning? There's this sense of intimacy of the shepherd not just moving some sheep around the hillside, but he knows who his sheep are. He knows them. There's a sense of intimacy, a sense of relationship of the sheep trusting in their shepherds and the shepherd faithfully leading them. So why is Jesus the good shepherd? Well, because he provides, protects, and is with us. And so I want to start by looking at how he provides for us. And it starts in this first line. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see, when we have God as our shepherd, we don't need anything else. He has already provided everything we need in himself. If we know God as our shepherd, we don't need anything else. It's not that suddenly we get a shepherd and that means all the cares of life go away and everything's suddenly fine. It doesn't. Life is still hard. Life still goes the way we don't want it to go sometimes. But we have one who leads us through that. We have one we can turn to in every situation and circumstance. And then he makes us lie down in green pastures. This is what shepherds do. They lead their sheep to pastures. This is also what pastors do. It's a word we use sometimes in the church to talk about people who lead the church. They're pastors. And God is our ultimate pastor. And the word pastor comes from the Latin for shepherd. And essentially, pastors lead their sheep, the church, into pastures to feed. And what are they feeding on? They're feeding on the word of God. They're feeding on God himself. You see, we're led to believe that to be truly satisfied, we need to feed on possessions or money or fame or power. And yet these are things that in and of themselves aren't necessarily bad, but they're corruptible. They're easily corruptible by man. And to be truly content, to find true joy, we need to be in the presence of the incorruptible one, the perfect one, the one who knows no evil in him. That is what brings us true joy and nourishment. The green pastures his word, pointing to himself, pointing to his perfect character. 
and they help us and feed us. But he also leads us by still waters. And that's his spirit living in us. So that no matter what circumstances or situations we face, it brings a sense of calm and peace in our soul. Because his still waters, his spirit is living inside us. And this restores our soul. Spending time in the presence of the pure, incorruptible God restores our soul. For me, spending time with God is like going to the well that never runs dry. I don't know about you, but I run dry. There are times when I, when I don't spend time with God, I get dry. I get tired, weary, grumpy. Stop laughing, that's not... <laughs> it's true. It's true, I do. And my soul becomes more corrupted. And I get more like run down. But when I go to the well that never runs dry... When I go to God, the incorruptible one, the perfect one, the pure one, my soul is restored. My soul comes alive. And he leads us in paths of righteousness. And what is righteousness but living the right way, morally? Being perfect and blameless like the one that we're with helps us to be living in the right way. And being with God shapes our moral compass. It brings us more in line with how he's called us to live. But it's more than that even. It's that when we spend time with this shepherd, when we're with God, it's not just that we have to do all these things over here. Oh, I've got to do what he tells me. Oh, I've got to do it. It's that we want to. It's that we want to obey our shepherd. It's that we want to be led by him because we know him. There's this sense of intimacy that draws out of us that it's not difficult to lead in paths of righteousness because we know it's right because we're following our shepherd because he leads us he doesn't abandon us and say this is the way it's not like some you know rogue like person giving directions you get lost and they're like oh it's a left a left and then a right and you're like halfway there and you're going is it right or left or oh no he leads us he goes with us And why does he do any of this? Well, it says in the psalm, for his name's sake. It's all for his glory, that he might be glorified through us following him. That's why he provides for us. But his greatest provision is in this. That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. See, if we follow the good shepherd, we don't need to fear evil. We just need to trust the shepherd. Now, let's just wait here a moment and just consider what this is saying. If there was a place called the valley of the shadow of death, or even let's urbanize it a little bit, the alley of the shadow of death, yeah? There's a place in Eltham, and you're like, I've got to go through the alley of the shadow of death. I ain't walking, all right? I'm running. But David says he walks. He says he walks. Why? Because he's confident. Because he's confident. And the clue is at the end of the verse, for you are with me. Because God is with him, he is confident to walk. But there's also something else here. It's only the shadow of death. 
A shadow can't harm you. The shadow can't get to you because it's not death itself. Why? Because Jesus has defeated death. See, Psalm 22 that I referred to earlier talks about the cross. And on the cross, Jesus defeated Satan, sin, and death. And in John 10, it talks about the good shepherd who lays down his life for us. In fact, it says it twice because Jesus takes on death on the cross and defeats it. Takes all of our sin, our shame, our corrupted souls, exchanged for his incorruptible soul. And then three days later, he rose, rose again. That what we face now is only a shadow. It's only the shadow of death. Now, don't get me wrong, death still hurts for us in this life. When we see people we know die, it's hard. In fact, I think in some ways it's almost more painful than ever because we have this sense of invincibility almost. And death seems so preventable to us, especially with like advances in medical science and um, of safety things that we have around us. Death seems so preventable, but death itself is not preventable. We will all die, but it need only be the shadow because eternity beckons us. The reality is this life is a shadow of what one day will be, us dwelling with God forever. And Jesus is a good shepherd because he provides us that way. He provides us a way to the Father. He says, I'm the door. He, we couldn't live this life of perfection, so he had to do it for us so that we could come to God. And by living that, that life, he became the door by which we can come to God and follow him. But this isn't just the ultimate provision, it's the ultimate protection as well. See, by laying down his life for us, for those of us who believe in him, he protects us from the pain of hell the suffering and anguish that we would face there. If we trust in God, instead he offers us eternity with him. So we don't need to fear evil because in the good shepherd we have the conquering king, the one who has defeated Satan, sin and death, the one who has all authority. And so we can trust in him. And because God is with us, that phrase that David uses it in that psalm, for he is with us. Because God is with us, we don't need to fear. You see, the closer we know him, the less we need to fear. Because there's safety in the knowledge of our shepherd. There's safety when we know him intimately, not just knowing about him, but knowing him. And, we, and Jesus died and rose again that we might know the Father who sent the Spirit, that we might never be alone. And it's out of that relationship that our relationship flows. And in that relationship, we can be truly safe. The closer we are to God, the less we need to fear anything or anyone. And Psalm 23 goes on to talk about enemies. It's not something I like to think about, really, enemies, but the psalm's clear, we will face enemies. I think there's a reality in our society, and especially in the British culture, that we don't like to offend anyone. We don't want to have enemies. We don't want anyone to dislike us. So often that means 
maybe not saying anything because I don't want to offend anyone. The problem with that is that when I look at Jesus' life, he spoke the truth in love, and yet he had loads of enemies. And so we don't really get that opt-out. The Bible calls us to be witnesses. And so we need to speak the truth about who God is. And in speaking the truth, well, often that means that there will be people who disagree with us, oppose us, sometimes in horrible ways. And that's hard. It's hard to think about that. I don't like to think about having enemies, but sometimes it's necessary if we're to speak the truth in love. Other people may oppose us, but we are doing his work. But God promises us that we can feast in their presence. How? Well, because he's with us. Because he's blessed us and anointed us with oil. Anointing with oil was actually something the shepherds did to the sheep so that they didn't have to face like infections or um, insects that would bite them and stuff. God anoints us with his oil, his Holy Spirit, so that when we face opposition, when we face enemies, we can know he's with us. We can know his presence in us. So we can truly say, like the psalmist, that goodness and mercy will follow us. And John 10 talks, Jesus talks about offering life. But he doesn't just say life, he says abundant life. Because life with Jesus isn't just life, it's abundant life. So this is good news. It's good news that Jesus is our good shepherd because he provides for us because he protects us, but ultimately he gives us himself. You see, a good shepherd provides for his sheep. And God has given us a way to come to him. He's given us a way to know him. My sheep hear my voice. My own, I know my own and my own know me. There's this intimacy between the Father and the Son and the Spirit, but also for us and God, to know him. There's this intimacy because he lays down his life for us. Willingly, of his own initiative. It says in John 10, not his will, but his father's. There is no other way. You see, were Jesus just a hired hand? Were he just someone who was employed? He would never have endured it. Were he not the son of God, he would never have gone to the cross, endured the agony that he had to face. He would have backed away. But because, because he is God, because he is the son of God, because he's our good shepherd, he endured the cross. He laid down his life for us. Hebrews tells us why. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross. And what is that joy but sheep coming into his fold? Souls being restored to him, by him, through him, for his glory. You see, we are all like sheep gone astray. Jesus had compassion on the crowd when he saw them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And we're to have that compassion for those around us because I don't know if you've looked at the world we live in, but it's often like sheep without a shepherd. Even in Elton, you look around, people are like sheep without a shepherd. And yet we've got a shepherd who wants to know them, 
we've got the good shepherd who wants to know them. See, having a good shepherd is such good news for us in the best of times, but also in the darkest of times. Because when life is at its hardest, we don't hold on to the truth that we have a good shepherd. We can hold on to the good shepherd himself. In those moments when I feel fear, pain, sorrow, grief, when I'm dry and weary, when all seems lost, like it did so often for David if you read the Psalms, I'm grateful that I've got a good shepherd I can go to. And this is the beauty of the gospel, that Jesus is both the lamb that was slain for us and the shepherd leading us, laying down his life for us, unconditionally loving us, becoming acquainted with our sin so we could become acquainted with him, knowing our shame so he could know us by name. You see, he has defeated Satan's sin and death so that death now is only a shadow, that we will one day pass through, where we will be with him forever in incorruptible perfection. But it's a tragedy if we wait. The shepherd is beckoning us in to green pastures, his word, by his still waters, his spirit, for the good of our souls, because he is with us. So my question to close this morning is, Jesus is the good shepherd. Will you submit to him? Will you know him? Will you allow him to provide and protect you and be with you? For some, that might mean knowing the shepherd for the first time. For others, it may be that you've gone dry and weary and you need to know those still waters again, those green pastures that he provides for us but he wants to know you this morning he wants to know you he's like a shepherd who pursues the lost sheep he keeps on looking because he wants you he wants intimacy with you he wants to know you my sheep hear my voice I know my own and my own know me he wants to know you this morning Will you know him? I'm going to ask Lauren to come up. We're going to respond. I just feel like it's the right thing to do is just to respond in worship. For some of us, you just need to respond and come back to him and say, yeah, I need to know your still waters again. I need to know the green pastures you have for me again. For some, it might be the first time saying, God, I want to know you as my shepherd. But there's an opportunity for intimacy this morning. Do you want to stand with me? I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. This is good news for us. Having a good shepherd who provides for us and protects us is good news.